Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, let's do it. Another edition of Locked On Lions right here, Locked On Podcast Network, Tuesday, March 24th, and a Wednesday, March 25th. Hope everybody's doing well and feeling good, healthy, safe, and sound. Please stay inside if you can. It's Matt Derry. Talking Detroit Lions football with you. Some news uh, today, including the Lions bringing back one of their uh, veteran backup offensive linemen. We'll talk about Oday Abushi's one-year contract. And really, if he's going to be in the mix, at least for right now, for that right guard spot for the Lions, we'll talk about that. Also, Mel Kuyper Jr.'s latest mock draft, and he makes a change. Out is Tua. In is somebody else. We'll talk about that today on Locked On Lions. And our guest today, boy, is he a good uh, good writer and, and really a part of that stable of a very good Lions beat writers. Chris Burke from TheAthletic.com will be my guest in a little bit here on Locked On Lions. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Lions at Dairy Speaks, the Matt Dairy Facebook fan page as well, where we uh, post the podcast each and every day. Some of you commenting on yesterday's show, and we appreciate that. I know I went off on a little bit of a tangent about the world we live in right now and the state of, of Michigan and the state of our health and everything else. Uh, today we're going to do football and talk about it. All right, Oday Abushi is back today, excuse me, on a one-year contract. Uh, the Lions, of course, have let Graham Glasgow walk. Uh, he's gone, headed to Denver on a four-year, $44 million deal. And so the right guard position for the Lions, at least right now, is wide open. Tyrell Crosby is a guy that can play tackle and guard. Many people feel could be a possibility at right guard. The great Bo Ben Shawell, uh, the um, undrafted rookie free agent from last year who played a very, very little bit out of Wisconsin, but played a little bit for the Lions last year, also in the mix. Russell Bodine, uh, and now Oday Abushi back on a one-year deal. So, you know, the, as of right now, unless the Lions go out and sign another guard um, and, and give somebody a chance, you know, Klein is out there. Uh, the former kid from the Vikings, there, there's, there's some veterans available. But at least right now at the moment, um, Ode Ibushi, Graham Glass, uh, Graham Glasgow, Ode Ibushi, Ben, uh, Bo Benshaw, maybe Tyrell Crosby, unless they want him as the, the first backup tackle to Big V on the right side and Taylor Decker on the left side. Who knows? But the Lions have some work to do. They, they've, got, they've got to figure out who's going to be the right guard. They've got to figure out uh, if they're going to sign another edge and get another pass rusher in here. And also, uh, you know, the, the, the cornerback situation. Rashawn Melvin, who played a little bit last year, of course, and started some games for the Lions opposite of Darius Slay on the outside, along with Justin Coleman, signed a one-year deal today with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, as I talk about cornerback, and we'll talk about this with Chris Burke coming up, but today was the uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. latest um, mock draft. And if you recall in his, I believe this is the 3.0 for Kuiper, in his 2.0, uh, Kuiper had the Lions taking Tua Tonga-Vailoa at number three. Today, he joined the masses and made it Jeffrey Okuda. So Kuiper had the usual Joe Burrow and Chase Young and then had Okuda going to the Lions at three. And Mel writes today, quote, the Lions' best case scenario with this pick Field offers for teams trying to trade up to draft Tua. The Dolphins, numbers 5, 18, and 26, and the Chargers, number 6 pick, make the most sense, and still land Okuda. Kuiper adds, 
That would give them extra premium draft picks in the top corner in the class to replace Darius Slay and pair with free agent signing Desmond Trufant. After a 3-12-1 season, general manager Bob Quinn and coach Matt Patricia need wins now. And the additions of Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, and Nick Williams will help their defense immediately, end quote. So there's somebody nationally, and we talked about this yesterday. Everybody's just blasting the Lions and, and talking about the free agent class and how it's not that good and the, you know, the Lions are trading away um, you know, all their best players, blah, 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 and Darius Slay. And look, we've been over that. Uh, the additions of Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, and Nick Williams have to be high-impact additions. You can't just replace uh, the guys that left. You can't just put play sitters in. All right, Devon Kennard is gone. Ashawn Robinson is gone. Snacks is gone. You could make an argument on paper that the trio of Kennard, Snacks, and Ashawn is better than the trio of Collins, Shelton, and Williams. You could also uh, say the, the opposite. You could say, no, no, the Lions have definitely upgraded. We're going to find out. You know, I like the Danny Shelton pickup. I don't know that much about Nick Williams other than he's just been a rotational guy and he's 30. Jamie Collins, to me, has been excellent under Bill Belichick and had a really good start to last season and then, you know, kind of petered off at the end. Collins said today he's very, very close pals with um, Danny Amendola and stays in contact with him and talks to him like every day. So that, you know, that expatriate lineage is is obviously there. That's great and all, but can he play at the level when he's out there with Belichick? And yes, Jamie Collins thrived under Matt Patricia too. So maybe that'll be the case. The problem is we haven't seen it. All we've heard about for the last couple of years is all the Patricia guys, the Patriots guys, uh, Patriot way, culture, culture, Belichick guys coming here, the Harmon played for the Patriots, Shelton played for the Patriots, you know, this guy, that guy, Jamie Collins, great, fantastic. Will it equate to wins? Will we see some actual victories next season? Or is it just going to be the same old, same old? Because that that's not, you know, it's not what anybody wants to see. Jamie Collins can do all these backflips all he wants. And he talks to Trey Flowers and Danny Amendola more than some of his family. Great. They're all on the team. Forgot about Trey Flowers. Are they going to win more than three games next year? Let's hope so. Chris Burke from The Athletic coming up next right here on Locked On Lions. Thank you for listening right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I mentioned it before, let's bring in Chris Burke from TheAthletic.com, covers the Lions as we uh, talk about uh, the Lions, and of course, we can get into COVID, right, Chris? Uh, may as well. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about it every other minute of the day, so. Oh, man, that's right. Hey, it's too bad uh, Darius Slay wasn't social distancing from Patricia back in the day, huh? Yeah, they're... Uh, they're... I mean, it was pretty clear, especially this year, that there was some underlying tension there. I don't think either of them tried to hide it very much. And, uh, I mean, I don't know that it, we knew it was to that level where the slate came out firing like that. But, um, yeah, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't a great mesh of personalities, I don't think. So 
not not too surprised, especially with a guy like Darius Slay. You know, he's gonna he's gonna come out and he's gonna speak his mind. And I think they probably knew in the Lions facility that he was gonna do that as the moment he got traded. So I'm sure they were prepared for it. Yeah, it seemed like they did some good, uh, and I mentioned this on yesterday's show, they did some good damage control, putting Deron Harmon kind of up on the website and talking to Tory and talking glowingly about Patricia. That's that's probably how you have to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just I got the sense trying to reach out to people there that they sort of just were going to kind of let it blow over to some extent. You know, just let it, you know, like I said, I think they knew Darius was unhappy, he was going to, once he got moved, he probably had some things to say because he, I mean, he had things to say when he was on the roster. So you kind of knew he was going to go off. And then, yeah, like you said, I think it was pretty good damage control. Deron Harmon obviously has, um, you know, just a totally different experience with Matt Patricia than Darius Slay had. I think that's been kind of, kind of fascinating to watch is just how hard they've worked to bring these, you know, expatriates and whatever in, but also just how much differently those guys speak about their experiences with Matt Patricia and uh you know it's a little it's tougher to do it you know tougher to go off on someone when you're still on the roster but there's a pretty big gap between what we get from Danny Amendola and Duran Harmon than what you know Slay and Quandre Diggs and those guys are saying no I don't think there's any question about it Chris Burke with me all right when you look at the draft coming up and obviously we don't know if that date is etched in stone and Obviously, they're not going to do it in Vegas in public and everything like that. Mentioned before you came on, Kuyper's latest mock has Okuda to the Lions. Everybody thinks thinks that's a done deal. What can you put a percentage on that, Chris? In your mind, of, of Jeffrey Okuda becoming a Detroit Lion in April? Uh, it feels like it's probably at least seventy five percent at this point. Um, I had an agent just like a week ago text me that. Like, he didn't even think they were going to trade. Like, he thinks they're staying and taking him. He doesn't even know that they're going to trade down because they are so set on him. They don't want to bring any possibility that they lose him at four or five um, if they were to go back to, you know, six or wherever. So, um, I I think he's certainly – it feels like he's the guy. I think Derek Brown, the Derek Brown connection's kind of cooled off. They don't really need a tackle anymore. I do think Isaiah Simmons is interesting, but, you know, that's – you know, we're talking about a guy that you have to be ultra creative when, you know, kind of project him out, what he's going to be, how you're going to use him. And I think, obviously, he does so much so well, but uh, the Lions are very rigorous in the types of players that they want. And, you know, who's the guy that looks like Isaiah Simmons that's been in that system before? Nobody. (laughs) Right. So it's hard to make that leap and, and, you know, go to Isaiah Simmons. Tell me about, you mentioned agents kind of contacting you and you, you're talking to people around the league all the time about Okuda. So, all right, I mean, obviously I think everybody would assume, hey, trade back, get more picks and still get them. But you're right, you sit in that 3-4-5 situation with the Dolphins and with the Giants, and, and the Lions are not big risk takers there. So maybe staying at three is, is, is you know kind of par for the course for Bob Quinn. Yeah, and I mean, I think it. It obviously boils down to what you're getting. If someone comes up with a, you know, two first rounders or a first rounder this year and another next year, then uh, you certainly uh, that changes things for you. If we're talking a first and a a third or a first and a low two, like I don't know that that's enough. Um, again, if you, if you're set on that guy, we've all been kind of talking about this. Like, well, they could go back to six and still have their pick of Okuda or Simmons or Derek Brown. But if Okuda's their guy, unquestioned, you know, then it makes it a little harder to trade back. And I think it's also, 
know, something else, else to keep in mind is they've got a little stockpile of picks now because of the Slay trade and uh, some of these other moves. You know, they're up to whatever it is, eight or nine. They've got four in the top hundred. They've got an extra pick on day two. So they've got, um, you know, they've got some ammunition to do some things already. Uh, at some point, you know, you kind of reach a limit of how many picks you actually need. Miami's got like 13 or 14 this year. I don't know what you necessarily even do with that many, many picks. So I think that'll be part of the conversation too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like Jeffrey Okuda's uh, the leader in the clubhouse by a pretty wide margin at the moment. Chris Burke from the, uh, from the athletic.com. Uh, what kind of a letter grade would you give the first week of free agency? And I know you wrote the other day, they're not done. They've got some money to still spend. They they, they probably need to, to go out and get a another guard. I know Abushi signed back today, but I don't know if that counts as, as really being a free agent. No knock on the guy, but, you know, what kind of a letter grade would you give this class, and, and, and what do you think is the next move? Yeah, you sound pretty excited about the Abushi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like a – like a B, B minus range for me. It feels like a lot of the other things they do where uh, it's just sort of exactly what you expect and nothing too exciting. And I mean, I guess Vitae is uh, a little, um, that was a little bit off the beaten path, like cutting Wagner, going out and signing a guy to a big contract like that. And especially a guy that, you know, has only had sort of marginal starting experience. I think that was the roll of the dice. So that one's interesting. Um, you know, if you look at the defensive line, like, you swap out Damon Harrison and Ashawn Robinson, who that Robinson contract was definitely above what I thought he was going to get on the yeah. market. But you swap out Harrison and Robinson for, you know, Danny Shelton and Nick Williams. Like, did you get better there? I think they're a little different than what they were, but I don't know that they're better. I mean, nothing here. Uh, the Jamie Collins one is obviously the big one, and that's a guy that fits this defense perfectly. It gives you what you didn't have at linebacker, and so I don't think you can uh, overlook that. And Deron Harmon, too, that's a really good pickup for them for what they paid for it. You know, he's a guy that um, obviously has the experience in Matt Patricia's defense, but you sort of look at what they didn't have last year and especially what they didn't have after they traded Diggs, and he's exactly what they needed in that safety group. You know, someone just to kind of patrol deep and be your last line of defense. And, uh, you know, I think that and the Collins pickups are, uh, are good ones and kind of see about everything else. Let's talk about the offensive line. We'll do that in a minute with Chris Burke from The Athletic. All right, Chris, uh, let, let's talk about right guard right now. And you mentioned before Big V from the Eagles now, at least the right tackle. With with all the guys on the roster, at least at the moment, Abushi, uh, Crosby, Bo Benshawel, what do you expect uh, along that offensive line right right this minute? Obviously, there's there's still time to go in free agency and the draft. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question. I mean, certainly what we saw last year, it wouldn't be a surprise if they sort of go with two guys there and just cycle them through. And Ibushi is, they really liked Ibushi when they signed him. They liked sort of the mentality he played with, how physical he was, and it didn't show up until the end of the year. But I think, you know, they, they still might bring Kenny Wiggins back. I think Ibushi made more sense uh, for them because you still have Tyrell Crosby to play tackle. I think Ibushi, frankly, was was better inside a little bit that he played. Um, but I do think they like Bo Benchwall a lot, too, and they sort of propped up Joe Dahl as this success story for their system, uh, and Benchwall's in a similar category where you're kind of getting a guy who's, who's kind of raw and developing him to be a starter potentially at a position where they feel like they might be able to save a little bit of money. Um, 
Josh Garnett's another kind of interesting name there. Former oh, yeah. first rounder yeah. hasn't started in four years, but you know, worth the roll of the dice. I mean, I think anytime you can take a shot at a former first rounder, it's worth it just to see if there's anything there. When they're out in the market and they're, you know, and look, they, they hit on a few, like you mentioned, Jamie Collins, and it's the ex-Patriots thing, and you and I don't have to go over that. It's been it's been like this since Bob Quinn got here, especially with Matt Patricia. But, you know, when these former players, whether it's Snacks or, or, or Quandre Diggs or Slay, are just kind of bashing the team, how much do you think that hurts? Or is it just a matter of, you know, do you pay these guys, they'll come? Uh, I think there's always going to be the, if you pay these guys, that they'll come. Uh, element of this and I think that they also you know again I think there is a big divide in sort of how everyone approaches Matt Patricia and you're going to find guys out there who absolutely I mean as we've seen they just hate the guy they hate the way he approaches this they hate uh, sort of how he interacts with his players and then on the flip side you've got players who sort of respond to that kind of you know old school mentality like if the NFL suddenly let the Lions do two or three days in camp and run out the Oklahoma drill and just bash <laughs> each other. Like they'd be out there doing that. And I think there are some guys that respond to that. So um, they've, they've tried hard to find those guys. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about, we've seen them overpay for some guys. And I think that that's part of it. You know, you, you're not sure what the culture is going to be like when you get here. The team obviously hasn't had a lot of success. And that's kind of one of the challenges of, of luring people to Detroit is maybe you do have to overpay a little bit for them, but I don't think, at least from what we've seen, I don't think they're missing out on a ton of guys because of, you know, what the culture, you know, quote unquote culture is right now. Devon Kennard is no longer here. And look, he's not Lawrence Taylor by any means, but uh, the leadership factor, um, and you're in that locker room every day, that that's, that's a big loss when it comes to kind of getting the guys together in the room uh, each and every day, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that was that was the main reason that was a surprise. I mean, I think if you look at sort of what he offered as a player relative to his contract, you know, he kind of made some sense. Uh, they saved a bunch of money by releasing him. They needed to get better on the edge anyway. So, um, it, you know, we still have to wait and see how they're actually going to get better on the edge. I don't know if they are yet, but uh, it kind of made sense from a business decision. But that was a guy that you know, maybe above anyone else in that locker room other than maybe, like, Stafford, they, they held up that high from a coaching staff on down through the players. Like, when when things went bad or, like, when people lashed out about the Quandre Diggs trade, Devon Kennard was the guy that the coaching staff really wanted out front, kind of just uh, talking about it and, and letting people know what maybe the more calm reaction was uh, to that thing. Like, he was a guy that just extremely well-liked and well-respected. He was virtually a unanimous pick for defensive captain. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's tough to take away that a guy like that. I think Arizona certainly will benefit from having him. And, um, you know, when, you, when you're trying to find the right balance in the locker room, like, uh, I don't know, it's tough to lose a guy like that, even if you don't think he's going to give you 10 or 12 sacks because, you know, you need some of that stability in there too. So it'd be interesting to see how they kind of respond to it. Final thing for Chris Burke from The Athletic uh, joining me here. What about in terms of needs as we're now a month away from the draft? And, again, that could change with everything that's going on with the coronavirus. But, you know, if you look up right now, is that number one need, uh, you know, clearly the opposite corner on the outside from Darius Slay in your mind? Or, excuse me, uh, Desmond Trufant? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think 
to me, I, it's it's that or edge rusher. So I mean, if if Chase Young's there, um, you know, I think that that probably changes things for you. But yeah, they still have some pretty big needs on defense. I still think they need another uh, interior pass rusher. You know, Nick Williams had six last year, but that that's it. That was. You know, he was a journeyman, bounced around forever, and so I don't know if you can count on that. Deshaun Hansen banged up. So they need still two or three pieces at least defensively, and um, it, it just kind of falls into place for them that, you know, you're probably – if you stay at three, you're probably getting a shot at either Okuda or Chase Young. I guess in theory you could get a shot at both of them if, if one, two goes quarterback, but uh, I think those are the glaring needs for sure right now because I, I think they can – kind of get through at right guard if they need to uh, those are those spots like cornerback and edge rusher you've got to have guys that can make plays all right brother appreciate the time i know this has uh, been a, a wild time for you if anybody, anybody anybody reads your stuff and i do all the time you don't just write game stories and recaps you kind of dig deep into stuff and it's kind of hard to do from home right <laughs> yeah it's been a it's been a bit of a challenge trying to get uh, access while i'm sitting here with uh, the kids <laughs> trying to, to entertain them too so yeah it's hopefully i know everyone's hoping uh this resolves sooner rather than later and you know certainly we're uh in the same boat no question all right chris appreciate the time as always yeah thanks for inviting me there he is chris burke from the athletic uh, read his stuff follow him on twitter as well we'll do it again tomorrow right here on locked on lions thanks for listening right here on the locked on podcast network